Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. If a newspaper publishes a story that's found to have broken the law whether by invading someone's privacy or accusing a person of something they didn't do or because the journalists working on it engaged in criminal activity, the consequences can be very serious. Reputations can be ruined. The costs in legal fees and damages can easily run into six figures. And in the most extreme cases, the paper can go out of business entirely. So when The Telegraph started work on expenses a project that involved the bills, home addresses and bank details of every single MP in the UK, all of which had been secretly copied from the computers at a data processing centre, the legal stakes could hardly have been higher. If the paper was going to have a chance of bringing this story to press, it would need the help of a brave and highly skilled lawyer. And his name was Arthur Wynne Davies. Millions of receipts of expenses claims by all MPs... The Daily Telegraph has obtained them all. The need to recognise and understand how angry people are. We locked these guys in a room and we just said, here's the disc, work out, start going through it. I'm Pete Norton and this is Expenses, a podcast about journalism, politics and what it's like to bring a huge national secret into the light. Right, I'll give it you in English. Um, Arthur Geraint Wynne-Davies. The first I heard about the disc in relation to... To give you a picture of Wynne-Davies, he's now in his mid-70s and is thin and energetic with a full head of grey hair above an expressively lined face and blue eyes that fix intently on you as you talk. He looks to me rather like the actor John Hurt. And he would not you sense, be an easy person to smuggle a lie or an inaccuracy past unnoticed. Ten years on from the expenses scandal, and eight years after his retirement from the paper, he remembers more about that era than almost anyone else I talked to for this podcast. Dates, names, and the intricacies of what was done to get stories to press are etched into his memory and come pouring out as he talks. But in order to fully understand his role in the story, we need to begin a few decades before expenses, and head back to the beginning of his legal career in the early 1970s, when he was a junior barrister. Practising around Midland and Oxford Circuit, crime, divorce, all that sort of general stuff that junior barristers do. Um, then I uh, decided to apply for a job in Fleet Street because it's very tough at the bar then. It's even tougher now because you couldn't get your money in if you're doing legal aid work. 
And uh, so I got an interview with Jeff Pennington, the then editor of the uh, Sunday People. Uh, he took a bit of a punt on me, actually, because I'd done my homework for the interview. I hadn't really studied libel even. It, it was crazy. But in those days, you could learn on the job. The papers Wynne Davies started on, the Sunday People and then the Daily Mirror, were members of the Mirror Group, who specialised in so-called red-top tabloid newspapers. And there's a key difference between tabloid newspapers like them and broadsheets like The Telegraph, a difference that would provide Wynne Davies with a deep well of experience to draw on when he came to deal with the expenses scandal 30 years later. And the difference is this. Whereas broadsheet papers can survive with smaller circulations supported by the advertising money that their affluent readers attract, the tabloid market is much more competitive and is dependent on bumper seven-figure newsstand sales. So to survive as a tabloid, especially in the late 20th century, you had to continuously scoop your competitors with huge front-page stories that screamed out to prospective readers, buy me, find out what's inside. And what this means is that as a lawyer for a tabloid newspaper, you have to find ways to get controversial material over legal hurdles and out to press pretty much every day that you're on the job. As Wynne Davies remembers, this was a period where he had to deal with... Lots of investigations, doing things like exposing child pornography, uh, things like cosmetic surgery cowboys, and also police coming in for evidence and stuff like that. Very much sort of Thursday night, foot in the door, flush out the injunction, if any, publish on Saturday. I would basically say... Um, if you want to really get experience as a newspaper lawyer before you get onto the heavyweights, you really need to do a stint on the tabloids. This near-daily exercise of his legal skills, seeing off injunctions, dealing with the police and keeping stories clear of libel and defamation laws, furnished Wynne Davies with a toolkit that would serve him well in 2009. To reach for a sporting comparison, he was becoming like one of those unflappable central defenders who have seen a decade or more of Premier League action and who are wise to every trick that the opposition can throw at them. But something else happened to Wynne Davies during his time at the tabloids that would also inform his work on expenses. Something that every newspaper lawyer has nightmares about. In the early 1980s, one of the most famous footballers in the UK, a player called Billy Bremner, sued the Sunday people for libel after they'd published a story accusing him of fixing matches. Wynne Davies had gone to great lengths to verify the story before publishing, including flying to Australia himself to get a notarised witness statement from another footballer. But, to cut a long story short, the judges didn't see it the way he had. So we lost, and he had the record, then the second highest record ever of damages, wow. which was 100 grand. That was a hell of a lot. And this is in the 80s still? Yeah, some and uh, I mean, I went back to the people... Got a bollocking for the editor because I hadn't, we didn't have mobile phones in that, that I hadn't gone to a booth to actually phone him up to say what the result was because no one had gone back. And I was so badly burned. Uh, you know, I was almost physically sick wow. uh, as a result of that. You, nobody has any idea what it's like for a lawyer to lose a, a libel action when you are the in-house lawyer. Yeah. You feel a massive responsibility and sense of failure. Yeah. It's a bit like a football goalie, you know, and it's penalty a penalty in shootout yeah. in the World Cup. It's really, I, I reckon, it's a, as bad as that. 
Carrying this first-hand experience of a high-profile failure with him, Wynne Davies moved to the Telegraph in the late 1980s as the paper's editorial legal manager. Back then, the paper had a reputation as a rather old-fashioned and gentlemanly place. Leisurely lunches were taken. Editors would often disappear to the opera or the theatre long before the paper was finished. And public schools and Oxbridge colleges were well represented among the staff. And I didn't seem to be at all the right person for the Telegraph, to be quite frank. I had a comprehensive school education. I went to Aberystwyth University. I was thoroughly Welsh. And I hadn't got a Telegraph kind of bone in me in terms of background or politics. I'm from a very Welsh agricultural area. So I thought I did have some trepidations about going because I thought I wouldn't fit at all. But as it turned out, things were changing at the paper. And Arthur remained in his post for the rest of his career, some 24 years, over which time he became one of the most highly respected figures at The Telegraph, someone who could be counted on to give watertight advice and who would always fight for a story worth publishing. So when the prospect of The Telegraph obtaining leaked copies of MPs' expenses arose in April 2009, he was one of the first people in the building that the editors turned to. The then deputy editor, Tony Gallagher, um, came to my office... And he quite casually said, um, what would you say to us if we got the chance to get this disc that's been spoken about of MPs' expenses for four years, the entirety of them, and the underlying documents? What would you say is the legal position? Prime concern was, um, what about you know the position if it was a stolen disc? Or what about the position with handling stolen goods, etc., etc.? I thought, that's only just a couple of questions, Tony. I said, this is a multi-layered, potentially multi-layered legal problem because it was racing through my head on the spot. Were you excited? Um, no, I, I suppose I was thinking it was one of those, oh, God moments. Um, I haven't got a ready answer to this and I pride myself on not saying no or finding a way to get it in. So I thought, well, this is something you can't rush into saying, yes, it'll be okay, because there are some lawyers who are going up and say, oh, publish and be damned. But those days were well and truly over by the turn of the millennium. It was just too expensive and dangerous. So I said, I need some time. And uh, how long have I got? A few days, he said. Well, I said, I know, I know I'll need a week. I said, can you cope with that? I knew this was very important and I knew that I needed to um, get it absolutely right because the risks were enormous. We'll be back to hear how he calculated those risks and what it took to keep the paper out of court as it began to publish MP's expenses. Right after this. Hi, my name's Claire Newell and I'm the Telegraph's investigations editor. My team are lucky. We spend months digging into stories, working with anonymous sources, piecing together evidence to reveal wrongdoing and hold the powerful to account. This year, we revealed how Sir Philip Green paid five members of staff, sums adding up to millions to stay quiet. They'd accused him of sexual and racial abuse and bullying. As a result of our journalism, the government is now reviewing how controversial non-disclosure agreements are used. But we couldn't have done it without the support of our subscribers. 
Their contribution allows us to dedicate time to projects such as the Philip Green investigation and the expenses scandal 10 years ago. So if you'd like to support what we're doing and get unlimited access to a huge range of quality journalism on politics, sport, business, culture and more, head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash audio where we have a special listener offer. You can get 30 days free access to The Telegraph online and after that it's just £2 a week. That's telegraph.co.uk forward slash audio or click on the link in the show notes of this episode. I knew that there'd been a background and I thought, we've got to keep this within the fortress. I thought, I'm not going to outside lawyers, even counsel. Um, I'm going to have to come to the conclusion myself. I spent quite a number of days researching the background. Over the course of the next week, working long into the night, Wynne Davies put together his advice. As a lawyer with an eye for detail, it was nuanced and ran to some length but there are three key points that I'd like to draw out from it for you here. The first is about public interest. You've probably heard this phrase before, and it's an argument that's often used by defence lawyers in libel and defamation cases. The defence runs more or less as follows. Your Honour, while exposing fact X may have breached law Y, doing so was justifiable because bringing fact X to light served a clear public interest. In the case of a newspaper breaching someone's privacy to expose a celebrity affair, this argument doesn't always hold water. But in a case built around the misuse of public money by public servants, the public interest defence couldn't have been much stronger. His second key observation was about handling stolen goods. Now, if the Telegraph had any suspicion that the hard drive on which the files had been copied was itself stolen, taken from a government safe, for instance, then they would have been at serious risk of this. But instead, Wynne Davies and The Telegraph were able to gain strong assurances from the whistleblowers that nothing stolen had been involved in the data breach. The hard drive belonged to the source, not the government. And the data on it was being offered to The Telegraph after the fact. There could be no question that the paper had commissioned or solicited the leak. So the risks of a stolen goods case were also minimal. His third observation was a cautionary one. This was a story involving highly sensitive data about members of the most powerful institution in the land. If the paper was to proceed, they'd have to be absolutely rigorous in their reporting, always giving MPs the right to reply before a story went to press and making certain that no information which might compromise an MP's security, like home addresses, car registration plates or phone numbers, was ever publicised via their work. One slip-up here could leave them open to major legal problems and could put politicians at genuine risk of attack. Or to put all of this in a nutshell... Wynne Davis's legal advice to the editors was basically, we can go ahead with this, but we'll have to be obsessively careful with the material if we come to publish. And it wasn't long before the editors made their call. They'd press on and sign a contract with John Wick, who was the intermediary between the sources and the media, agreeing that they would report on the entire contents of the disc and that they'd also put in place financial and legal insurance for the whistleblowers. All of which posed a new challenge for Wynne Davies. They said, we're going with this. We need a contract by 8 o'clock tomorrow. I've got a day job. I've got that night's paper to get out. I got home after probably around 9-ish, 10-ish, because I always like to see the paper to bed on the back bench. Um, I think I started about 11 o'clock on my own home computer. You've got to do a bespoke job 
because it's a new, unique situation. You have to define the disk. You have to define the rights. You have to define with what if. You have to deal with the insurance policy, how we will indemnify your legal costs up to a certain amount if you're done and you need your own solicitors and so forth. There was a lot of complicated things like that. Most of the money was risk money. It wasn't guys profiting, mm. which, again, of course, reinforced our belief that these are good guys. They're properly motivated. They don't want to make money. But it's understandable that they want to be covered in case, you know, the proverbial hits the fan. So I drafted that contract. I think I was finished by about 6.30 in the morning, absolutely shattered. You stayed up all night doing this? Oh, yeah. My father was a Cunard captain and I was brought up. Boy, when you're on that bridge, you don't sleep because he used to take in the Atlantic and up the St. Lawrence Seaway without any mishap. And you've got men's lives at stake on a ship. So, you know, that's my kind of mentality. You're on duty. You've got this massive ship that you've got to get through on this voyage. Mm. This is the start. Get it absolutely right. Plus, be sure that that contract will withstand the light of day at the Old Bailey. This idea of a ship being taken through difficult waters seems to me an apt metaphor for what happened over the following two months. As the reporters started piecing together their stories and the great machinery of the paper, editors, designers, printers, publicists, were set to work getting this huge piece of journalism out into the world. You can tell how seriously Wynne Davies took all this, and how much personal responsibility he felt for keeping the paper legally safe throughout. Working long hours and across weekends, he was continually at the journalists' service, helping them to draft the official letters that they sent to every single MP they were about to cover, outlining what the Telegraph had found and asking for comment. And he also went through the constant flow of copy that the reporters were producing on a daily basis, checking for things that might land them in legal trouble. And underneath all of this, I was very concerned about making this mistake, you know, because these guys were like film stars in in Flea Street if they went to pubs. From John Swain, who was the youngest of all, only 24, newly from a trainee contract. You know, it was very easy for vanity uh, to get into their heads, but there was never any sign of that. Mm. They all kept humble. They were terrified of making a mistake. But because we had this incredible bond that we built up, we I'd built up bonds individually before, so they trusted me. Mm. That's absolutely... When you have a team like that, it's a bit like an acting team. You've got to trust your fellow actors or your fellow opera singers that they came in on cue. Mm. We just did. It was almost like we were... We existed for the moment. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was a very, very strange feeling. Was there ever a point at which you relaxed? Because, I mean, I can imagine this must have been a really stressful period for you. There's high jeopardy, there's a lot of pressure. A lot of it's falling on your shoulders in terms of making sure it's legal. Was there a point at which you thought, do you know what, we've got over the back of this now? I was going to retire. I was 65 
on the day of the very last expenses published. We brought out a magazine, The Complete Expenses, on June 20th, which was my birthday. We had drinks in the editor's office and I was presented with a very nice gold watch by the then chief executive. And um, it was a very important and moving day for me. But whereas the journalists could go back to normal, I couldn't. I had another two years on the Telegraph and the entire time was taken up in seeing off various complaints, uh, both legal complaints and also press complaints, commission complaints. There were quite a few. But uh, one thing I, I wanted to say to you in terms of um, stress, did it ever go away? You know, to be quite honest, it hasn't gone away still. Because for this interview, I've done a bit of homework because it's 10 years on and I'm 10 years older, old man now. <laughs> and um, I still worry something might go wrong. That something that we didn't know, I think the chances of that are remote. But And it's this story that lives with you like that and not, not any other stories that you... Well, have, let's face on. it, you know... Um, most lawyers are forgotten as soon as they've left. And you're remembered basically for your failures as a lawyer. It's a bit like all political careers end in failure. Right. They're the ones that people remember. All the settlements where you had to put your phone, you know, I fought some very big names, which we settled. Cost the company a lot of money. My name is associated at the Telegraph as very much part of the team, and that I'm massively proud of. That they recognise me, hmm. not as just some lawyer. He, oh, he, the lawyer legal day. Of all the complaints that were lodged by MPs against the Telegraph for their reporting on expenses, only two made it all the way through to a final hearing. In one case, which was upheld, the paper was found to have inaccurately stated that an MP was a millionaire, when in fact he wasn't. The other involved the Telegraph's reporting on an MP who had made a £5 claim for a charity donation on his expenses, who sued the paper for libel and lost. Expenses is produced by me, Pete Norton, and Theodora Leludis. We're mixed by David Crackles, and our theme music was composed by Elliot Lampett. In our next and final episode, we'll be talking to Will Lewis, who was the editor of The Telegraph in 2009, and so had the final call on the whole expenses story. Don't miss it. And if you're enjoying this show, and you can think of anyone else who might like it, please tell them. Maybe they're an older listener who might not yet have a podcast habit or one of those people who says, I like the idea of podcasts, but I don't know where to start. In which case, if they've got an iPhone, you can tell them they've already got a podcast app. It's called Podcasts, pre-installed. And also something that I recently discovered, which is that you can ask Apple's smart assistant, Siri, to play podcasts, and it actually works. Hey Siri, play expenses. 
There's a quote from the American newspaper publisher, Joseph Pulitzer. The reporters often have pinned to their desks. How about that? See you next week. I get really emotional about it because the stress... Well, I can Im- and the, well imagine why. The professional... I, t- I can tell you, there wasn't a weak link among those journalists. Yeah. There wasn't a weak link about them. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.